Dear loving Father in heaven, thank you for another opportunity for us to study your word. And we also thank you for giving us the opportunity to be alive. Blessed will be our ears as we hear your word. We pray, Father, that you would give us the grace through your spirit to rightly divide the word of truth. Dear Father, I'm depending on you and I pray that you would possess me through and through that you would give me utterance, that you put your words in my mouth. For the sake of your son that died on the cross of Calvary for all humanity, please take this opportunity to speak words of life to us, that we may be saved at last by your word. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him, January 28th. Christ suffered, being tempted. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 16 We need not place the obedience of Christ by itself as something for which he was particularly adapted by his particular divine nature. For he stood before God as man's representative and was tempted as man's substitute and surety. If Christ had a special power which it is not the privilege of man to have, Satan would have made capital of this matter. The work of Christ was to take from the claims of Satan his control of man, and he could do this only in the way that he came, a man, tempted as a man rendering the obedience of a man. Would that we could comprehend the significance of the words Christ suffered being tempted. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18 While he was free from the taint of sin, the refined sensibilities of his holy nature rendered contact with evil unspeakably painful to him. Yet with human nature upon him, he met the arch apostate face to face and single-handed withstood the foe of his throne. Not even by a thought could Christ be brought to yield to the power of temptation. Satan finds in human hearts some point where he can gain a foothold, some sinful desire is cherished, by means of which his temptations assert their power. But Christ declared of himself, The prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me. John chapter 14 verse 30. The storms of temptation burst upon him, but they could not cause him to swerve from the allegiance to God. All the followers of Christ have to meet the same malignant foe that assailed their master. With marvelous skill, he adapts his temptations to their circumstances, their temperament, their mental and moral bias, their strong passions. He is ever whispering in the ears of the children of men as he points to worldly pleasures, gains, or honors. All this will I give you if you do my bidding. We must look to Christ. We must resist as he resisted. We must pray as he prayed. We must agonize as he agonized. If we would conquer as he conquered. Amen. 
The title of our devotion for today is Christ Suffered Being Tempted and that's exactly what we are going to talk about. Deep understanding of what this means. Remember, Jesus said that in order for us to understand him, to know him, we must search the scriptures. And if we search the scriptures, it means that we compare spiritual things with spiritual one passage with another to come to a clear understanding of the truth. We are looking at what it means that Christ suffered being tempted. While there are other things that is contained in this particular reading, we will focus on just this one thing. What does it mean that Christ suffered being tempted? When all this while, when we began this devotion this year, we said that Christ is God. He is one with the Father. He is the creator of heaven and earth. How then can we say Christ suffered being tempted? He's the creator. How can he suffer? He has great power. And certainly, he, by his great power, easily will shove off every temptation. He doesn't have to suffer like we do. But let us examine the scriptures to see if that is the case. The book of James chapter 1 verse 13 to 15 says the following. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempted he any man. Let me stop here for a while. That was just verse 13. So this is the focus here. We have already established that Jesus is God. And now this passage is saying, God cannot be tempted. So we want to understand, how then is the same Bible saying that Christ suffered being tempted, yet saying Christ is God and God cannot be tempted? Since God cannot be tempted, this is the more reason we need to understand that Christ was completely human, just like us. In our reading today, we saw there in that I may know him uh, for January 28. There it says to us, we need not place the obedience of Christ by itself as something for which he was particularly adapted by his particular divine nature. For he stood before God as man's representative and was tempted as man's substitute. And surety, if Christ had a special power which is not a privilege of man to have, Satan would have made capital of this matter. That's the clear truth. It is not possible that Christ would have come with some kind of power that we do not have access to because Satan will, will cry foul play. But Christ came in complete human nature and would, this is the reason why he actually had to take human nature because he needed to be tempted. God cannot be tempted neither tempted he any man. The faith I live by, page 49, paragraph 2 to 4 says, We should have no misgivings in regard to the perfect sinlessness of the human nature of Christ. He is a brother in our infirmities, but not in possessing like passions. As a sinless one, his nature recoiled from evil. He endured struggles and torture of soul in a world of sin. His humanity made prayer a necessity and privilege. He could have sinned he could have fallen, but not for one moment was there in him an evil propensity." End of quote. So let us study now to see how it is. Is it possible that Christ would have sinned or could have fallen? And how could this have happened, seeing that God cannot be tempted? You see, Jesus had human nature, and that's what we are trying to establish, and this is why he suffered being tempted. Examples of this are seen in the scriptures of him exhibiting his humanity. When he met the woman of Samaria in the book of John 4, verse 5 to 6, we see their Christ being weary. It says, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, 
Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Was Jesus pretending to be weary? He was weary. Can divinity be weary? Divinity cannot be weary. Angels are not weary, not to talk of the Creator being weary. The Lord cannot be weary, but Jesus was weary. That was his humanity there. Why? He had left his divine power. John 19 verse 28 also says this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. This was Jesus on the cross. He said, I thirst. Divinity can quench its thirst. Divinity doesn't need to say, I thirst. Jesus thirsted because he was human. Again, just before his betrayal by Judas, when he had spoken to his disciples after the Passover, we hear Jesus exhibiting great humanity here, just like you and me. Matthew 26 verse 37 and 38. It says, And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death tarry ye here and watch with me and while he was praying there the bible says in luke 22 verse 44 it says and being in agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground my brothers and sisters this is exhibited by humanity not divinity and jesus could not have been pretending to be praying pretending to be sweating great drops of blood pretending that he was weary pretending that he was exceeding sorrowful even unto death he's saying that the sorrow that was in him was like the one that used to kill man you know that man can get so sorrowful that he dies that's how jesus was my soul is exceeding sorrowful he said even unto death this was the humanity of jesus here Reading from the Desire of Ages, page 311, it says, Jesus was in all things made like unto his brethren. He became flesh even as we are. He was hungry and thirsty and weary. And I've read passages already to that effect. We've seen Jesus was hungry. In that one of the woman of Samaria, the weariness there was not just that Jesus was tired of walking. He was tired that he had to sit down on the well. His disciples had to leave him to go and buy food because he was tired and hungry and we saw him on the cross thirsty and we saw him also weary so continuing the reading it says he was hungry and thirsty and weary he was sustained by food and refreshed by sleep do you remember when he was in the boat with his disciples he wasn't pretending to sleep jesus was so tired that when there was a storm in the boat he was still sleeping resting because of how tired he was he did not even know what was going on that's humanity then. Continuing the reading, it says, He shared the lot of man, yet he was the blameless son of God. He was God in the flesh. His character is to be ours. Okay, now reading from the Adventist Bible book, Commentary, Volume 7, page 449, paragraph 7, we are told, The human nature of Christ is likened to ours, and suffering was more keenly felt by him, for his spiritual nature was free from every taint of sin. Therefore, his desire for the removal of suffering was stronger than human beings' experience. So with all these things we have read, we are seeing something about the human nature of Christ and the emphasis is what I have been saying in other devotion and more emphasized today that Jesus had no advantage over humans today and before. Because if he did, Satan would have made capital of it. He would have pointed to it as foul play. Jesus took upon himself the same human nature that we have today. Going on now, I want to read from um, 
Review and Herald, November 8, 1887. Here it says, Would that we would comprehend the significance of this word, Christ suffered being tempted. Uh, yes, we can also find it in that I may know him, page 34, paragraph 3. Like we read it today in our devotion. Continuing, it says, While he was free from the taint of sin, the refined sensibilities of his holy nature rendered contact with evil unspeakably painful to him. Yet with human nature upon him, he met the apostate face to face. So, how is it that Christ suffered being tempted? We've already seen God cannot be tempted. We've seen evidences that he was human. But let us understand what this actually meant. It means that Jesus had to lay down his foreknowledge and humbled himself. He had to bring himself down to a condition where he was not having the powers that God, divinity has. And one of that powers is to know everything. Jesus did not know everything. In Mark 13 verse 32 we are told, Jesus said, Of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven. Neither the Son, but the Father. So here we see that Christ dropped his foreknowledge. He was dependent on the Father for everything that he knew. And only that which the Father reveals to him did he know. We'll talk more about this in our devotion. I think it should be in January 31st that talks about humility. The greatness of humility. So we're looking at Christ suffered being tempted. And we've seen from the evidences in the scriptures that he did suffer like every other human being. But we are seeing also the extent to which this suffering was in that because he was righteous, the temptation and the desire to take it away from him was stronger than it is with us. But more than that, we need to understand if he took our nature, what does that mean that Christ suffered being tempted? Does it mean now that when you tempt Jesus with um, food, then there's this desire in him he really wants to eat it but he's just resisting it or you tempt him by bringing a a picture of a beautiful lady to him with all like in the case of joseph potiphar's wife a woman comes to him trying to lure him and he really wants to actually have sex with this lady but he's just resisting it is that what it was no no not at all that's not what it was christ suffered being tempted does not mean that he had an inclination towards sin or a propensity towards sin because if we say christ didn't come in actual human flesh it's it's a problem but he did come in human flesh and we read from patriarchs and prophets page 561 paragraph 2 it says both parents transmit their own characteristics mental and physical their dispositions and appetites to their children as the result of parental intemperance children often lack physical strength and mental and moral power liquor drinkers and tobacco users may and do transmit their insatiable cravings, their inflamed blood and irritable nerves to their children. The licentious often bequeath their unholy desires and even note some diseases as a legacy to their offspring. And as the children have less power to resist temptation than have their parents, the tendency is for each generation to fall lower and lower. To a great degree, parents are responsible not only for the violent passions and perverted appetites of their children, but for the infirmities of the thousands born deaf, blind, diseased, or idiotic. End of quote. Now, did Christ ex- escape heredity? No. In Desire of Ages, page 48, paragraph 5, we've seen this before. It says, We marvel at the Savior's sacrifice in exchanging the throne of heaven for the manger and the companionship of adoring angels for the beasts of the store. 
human pride and self-sufficiency stand rebuked in his presence. Yet this was but the beginning of his wonderful condescension. It would have been an almost infinite humiliation for the Son of God to take man's nature even when Adam stood in his innocence in Eden. But Jesus accepted humanity when the race had been weakened by 4,000 years of sin. Like every child of Adam, he accepted the results of the working of the great law of heredity. What these results were is shown in the history of his earthly ancestors. He came with such a heredity to share our sorrows and temptations and to give us the example of a sinless life. Amen. So Christ did not ex- escape what the law of heredity which we've seen about parents transmitting their own characteristics to their children. If we say Christ didn't come in actual human flesh, that means Mary, his mother, had to be holy or sinless because she was a human and she gave birth to Jesus. If you say Jesus was pure and holy without without any uh, human um, weaknesses, then you would have to say that Mary was also like that. And that's why in some faiths, they say the immaculate conception, meaning that Mary was absolved of all her sins or she herself was giving birth to the same way Christ was giving birth to. And that's why she was able to give birth to Christ sinless. In other words, Mary also had a virgin birth for herself. Her mother was a virgin, gave birth to her. She was born of the Spirit. And where do we stop with that? Then that means Mary's mother was also like that and Mary's grandmother was also like that in, from her mother's side. There's no end to that. If you say that Mary had to be holy, just as holy as Jesus, and that's why she had to give birth to Jesus holy, then Mary's mother had to be like that. But that's not true. That's not true. There was no miracle that was performed to stop the hereditary transfer from Mary to Jesus. And we cannot substantiate that with scripture. Jesus partook of our nature. And that is very important for us to understand because he's our example. But then the other point is this. Just because Jesus took part of our heredity does not mean what I was talking about earlier. That when any temptation comes, then he has an inclination towards it. And it's not hard to understand this. We are human beings. It is not everything that we have a craving for. I've listened to some people and even myself and some of us will know that if you bring alcohol to certain people, it's disgusting. They don't even want to have anything to do with it. And there are those who find pornography very, very disgusting. They don't want to have anything to do with it. It doesn't tempt them by any means. And then there are others who can never be tempted with killing. They they cannot even try it. It doesn't even come to the mind. They loathe it. So just because we are sinful, I'm talking of us humans, doesn't mean that we are everything calls us and then we feel like committing every sin there is. Now, this is where we need to understand, even though Christ took part of our heredity, he also is like us in this this matter, which is that he had no sinful propensity. Reading from Manuscript Releases, volume 16, page 182, paragraph 2, paragraph 1 and 2, he says, Our Lord was tempted as man is tempted. He was capable of yielding to temptations as are human beings. His finite nature was pure and spotless. But the divine nature that led him to say to Philip, He that had seen me had seen the Father, also was not humanized. Neither was humanity defiled by the blending or union of the two natures. Each retained its essential character and properties. But here we must not become in our ideas common and earthly and in our perverted ideas we must not think 
that the liability of Christ to yield to Satan's temptations degraded his humanity and he possessed the same sinful, corrupt propensities as men. End of quote. So, just because we know that humanity, that the humanity of Christ did not defile his divinity, that does not mean we must, and then we also understand that he partook of our heredity. We should not nevertheless think that that his humanity was degraded. There are humans that are elevated today, even as we speak. And Christ's humanity was not depraved and degraded that he had an inclination to want to commit adultery or fornicate or take alcohol or use drugs or tell lies or steal or kill or commit covetousness. He had no inclination to bow down to the devil to worship him. He was not inclined to any of these things even though he partook of our nature. He did not possess the same sinful corrupt propensities as we do. Christ does not have it though he possessed our weaknesses and our tendencies and our nature. But then, like we've studied in previous devotions, it doesn't mean we cannot overcome. Like I said, you look at yourself. Are you tempted to commit every sin? I've met a man who takes weed, marijuana, and he was mocking other people who take alcohol and saying alcohol is a curse, that he will never take something like that. That, that one, It makes people miserable that he prefers to take weed. He doesn't have a propensity towards the alcohol, but he has towards weed. And there are some who do not even have any propensity to either of the two or even to fornication, none of those things. And this is how Christ was to every sin. He had no propensity towards them. So I'm just saying this so that it does not surprise you because even we as humans, we also in some one matter or the other, we do not have propensities towards certain sins. The meaning of propensity means a cultivated habit or pattern that we develop by our own choice, a character trait. Jesus did not have that towards um, any sin. So we've seen here that Christ did not partake of our sinful, corrupt, fallen uh, propensities. Again, in Christ's triumphant, page 213, paragraph 6, it says, Through being partakers of the divine nature, we may stand pure and holy and undefiled. So we can be like Jesus. That's just basically what it means. Continuing the reading, it says, The Godhead was not made human, and the human was not defiled by the blending together of the two natures. Christ did not possess the same sinful, corrupt, fallen disloyalty. So, instead of propensities this time, this is the same thing, but saying disloyalty that we possess, for he could not be a perfect offering. So, what does this mean? Since Jesus did not have our fallen propensity or disloyalty to sin, what exactly was his temptation then? Because if you don't like sin, how can you be possibly tempted to do it? If we do not have a desire towards a thing, or as we have read, Jesus did not have any sinful, corrupt, fallen disloyalty that we possess, then what was Jesus' temptation? Because if you recall in the book of James, reading chapter 1 there, verse 14 and 15, we are told, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So, for one to be tempted, there must be a desire for sin. There must be a desire for sin. So, what was Jesus' desire when we are already saying now that he had no corrupt propensity? Let us find out what that was. Reading from Review and Herald, April 1, 1875, paragraph 3, and paragraph 2 and 3 says, 
it was a difficult task for the prince of life to carry out the plan which he had undertaken for the salvation of man, including his divinity with humanity. He had received honor in the heavenly courts and was familiar with absolute power. So take note of that. Jesus was familiar with what? Absolute power. It was as difficult for him to keep the level of humanity as it is for men to rise above the low level of their depraved natures and be partakers of the divine nature. Do you hear that? The same way it is difficult for us, for you and me, to rise from our depraved humanity and maintain the divine nature. How difficult it is for us to give in to righteousness. That is how difficult it was very difficult think of how difficult it is for you to say i will do right that's how difficult it was for jesus to say i will not use my divine power continuing the reading it says christ was put to the closest test requiring the strength of all his faculties to resist the inclination when in danger to use his power to deliver himself from peril and triumph over the power of the prince of darkness satan showed his knowledge of the weak points of the human heart and put forth his utmost power to take advantage of the weakness of the of the humanity which christ had assumed in order to overcome his temptations on man's account end of quote so do you see that we've read in our devotion what the temptation of christ was like we saw there in our devotion today that i may know him page 34 paragraph 2 and also paragraph 3 that part of Christ's temptation was that while he was free from the taint of sin, his refined sensibilities and his holy nature rendered contact with evil unspeakably painful to him. So, imagine someone who hates something and you keep on bringing it to that person. It's painful and that's one of the sufferings that Christ passed through. To keep on bringing something to him that he never had an inclination to was painful to him. Then, another thing about Christ's suffering temptation was that there was the desire. There was that desire and temptation to use his divine power to escape the weaknesses of humanity and the perils that he was put through. So let us see examples of when Christ was tempted to use divine power but did not do it. In the book of John 5, 17 and 18, let us develop the point first of all. We see here that there was hatred for Jesus and a desire to kill him. It says, But Jesus answered them, My father walketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but that's in their know in their mind at least, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. So we see a point here. They want to kill Jesus. All I'm reading is the book of John. Now, in the book of John 7, what do we see Jesus do, knowing very well that they want to kill him? John 7 verse 1, it says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. So, how did Jesus respond when he realized that they wanted to kill him? Did he go into their presence and then whenever they want to kill him, he used use divine power to stop them? No, he fled from their presence and was staying away from them. That is what humanity does, not what divinity does. Let me just say something because I'm coming back to this. John 7, when his brothers noticed that he was staying away from the Jews, they told him in John 7 verse 3, Are you not going to the Feast of Tabernacles? And he told them that he's not going. Why? In verse 5 
and 6 he says for neither did his brethren believe in him then jesus said to them my time is not yet come but your time is always ready the world cannot hate you but me it hated because i testify of it that the works thereof are evil so i'm coming back to that point later but the point we're getting here is we see jesus acting like a human being not using divine power staying away from the jews because they want to kill him now in john 8 verse 58 let us see how he dealt with it when they wanted to kill him jesus said unto them verily verily i say unto you before abraham was i am john 8 verse 59 says then they then took they up stones to cast at him now if you want to stone divinity what will they do you will cast your stones and nothing will happen in fact miracles will be done we've heard of jeroboam's hand getting staying still when he wanted to hold a prophet and it got stuck in the air jesus did not do this what did he do he says but jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by wow this is in my opinion this is humiliating for divinity to humble himself that his own created beings want to stone him and what did he subject himself to what every other human being will do hiding he hid himself not only that then he went out of the temple certainly avoiding them then entered into the throng that's what he says through the midst of them entered into the throng and that was how he escaped john 10 verse 38 and 39 jesus said something again that made them want to kill him let us see how he escaped jesus said but if i do though you believe me not believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and i in him therefore they sought again to take him but he escaped out of their hand and went away again beyond jordan into the place where john had first baptized and there he abode once more what did jesus do escape no divine power used but at this time how many of us even as we are presently that we are just mere human beings sometimes in our head we imagine some kind of supernatural power that we could have to just attack our enemies immediately jesus had it we we don't have it if we had it what would we do imagine you have that power and you are told don't use it because you are a human being and you must function as a human being many of us will fail jesus constantly was resisting this even nehemiah when in the book of nehemiah 6 verse 10 and 11 when a prophet came and told him come and hide come and hide yourself inside the temple what did nehemiah do nehemiah was disgusted at it he said to the man who said to him to come and hide come let us meet in the house of god within the temple let us shut the doors of the temple for they will come and slay you in the night verse 11 nehemiah said should such a man as i flee and who is there that being as i am would go into the temple to save his life I will not go in there were two things here nehemiah of course knew that he says he's not a priest he's not to enter the temple but that's not all he was referring to here he was talking about his dignity i who was sent by the king of persia who has soldiers that are here with me should such a man as i run away what kind of degrading experience would that be for me to be hiding like every other person it is not dignifying but our Lord Jesus, when they wanted to kill him, what did he do? He fled. He hid himself. This is the humanity of Jesus. And this year we see is the temptation to use divine power. But he did not use it. And we hear him express it very directly. When he was betrayed by Judas and the angry mob came and took him. In Matthew 6 verse 52 down to 56, when they wanted to take him, in fact they took him. It says, then said Jesus unto them, 
unto him. That's Peter, because Peter had just cut off somebody's ears. And he said to Peter, Put up again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou not that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? That toss it must be. In verse 5 of 6, he said to the people, Are ye come out against as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you in, the, in teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Now the point I'm making there, you can see it. Jesus even mentioned it by himself. I have the power. I can pray to my father. And even if he doesn't pray to his father, he can say it by himself without asking his father. But even here, he was still even talking of human power, which is praying to his father. But apart from praying to his father, Jesus could just say it by himself and command the angels. And the angels will not say no because they know that this is their God. They will not say, oh, you are supposed to ask the father before you tell us to come and help you. They were there ready to help him just for him to give the command and they will do what he wants them to do. They don't need him to ask the father, but Jesus resisted all this. And this is why we must understand that presumption is wrong. This is what Jesus suffered being tempted. He suffered the temptation because sin was terrible to him. So bringing it to him, tempting him with it was painful. But secondly, he was having the temptation to use divine power, but he did not. And this is a lesson for us. And that's why Jesus taught us we are not above our master. In Matthew 10 verse 16 and 17, he said, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Beware of men. They will deliver you up to councils to scourge you in their synagogues. And in verse 23 down to 25, he said, when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. He did not say stand there for divine power to come and deliver you. Flee into another. That's what he said. And then verse 24 is very key. Why did he say flee? He said, the disciple is not above his master, not the servant above his Lord. What did our master do? He ran away. What should you do? Run like every human being. He ran like a human being. He fled. He hid himself like a human being will do. And we also have to do the same thing. But we know that in times of extremity, God can hold back those who will destroy us. He did it for Jesus. If you read the book of John 7 verse 9 to 15, we see that Jesus finally went to that feast that his brothers were telling him, would you not go for the feast? He eventually went. And when he was teaching openly, in verse 15, he said, how knows this man having never learned? In verse 25 to 26, he says, then some of them of Jerusalem said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing to him. Did the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? In verse 32, we see that the Pharisees, sent officers to take Jesus. But now, here is where God came through for him. Jesus could not run away here. But what did God do? It was not time, so he held back the officers so that they could not take Jesus. It says in verse 44, and some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees and said unto them, And the Pharisees said unto them, Why have you not brought him? The officers said, Never man speak like this man. Then answered the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But these people who know it, not the law are cursed. So the point here is, while we see the humanity of Jesus, I'm, not, I'm just drifting here to make us understand that even though Jesus said flee, in times when you cannot flee, the Lord can pull through. But the point of our devotion, Christ suffered being tempted. 
is to show us that Jesus was human just like you and me. And he did not avail himself of any power that is not that you, you and I do not have access to. Reading Review and Herald, April 1, 1875, paragraph 1, it properly expresses what I'm saying. It says, There are many who fail to distinguish between the rashness of presumption and the intelligent confidence of faith. Do you know what presumption is? Presumption is for Jesus to stand there and wait for them to stone him, thinking that the stones will just be like matrix when they reach him and then it's like new the bullets will just fall on the floor that is what presumption is but faith is to run away when you have the legs to run away faith is to hide when you can hide that is what faith is like he's saying there are many who fail to distinguish between the rashness of presumption and the intelligent confidence of faith satan thought that by his temptations he could delude the world's redeemer to make one bold move in manifesting his divine power, to create a sensation, and to surprise all by the wonderful display of the power of his Father in preserving himself from injury. He suggested that Christ should appear in his real character, and by this masterpiece of power, establish his right to the confidence and faith of the people, that he was indeed the Savior of the world. Hear this now. If Christ had been what? deceived by Satan's temptations and had exercised his miraculous power to relieve himself from difficulty, he would have broken the contract made with his father to be a probationer in behalf of the race. Amen. And we also saw in our devotion that Satan would take capital of it. He would point to it as foul play and say, you see, he used divine power. He used the power that was that men do not have access to. Man cannot keep God's commandments. And we're going to look at that tomorrow. Why is it that Christ did not use divine power? We're seeing, yes, he did not. But why was it so important? Why is it that Satan would have pointed to it that Christ did not use divine power? I will say the answer, but we'll go into in depth to it tomorrow. The reason is because the charge of Satan in this great controversy is that man cannot keep God's commandments in this sinful flesh and that God is unjust in requiring us to be perfect in this sinful flesh. So Jesus took that sinful flesh and condemned sin in the flesh to prove that God was not unjust to prove that it is possible. So if Jesus had taken something that had an advantage, in nature that had an advantage more than any man, Satan would say, this is foul play. You are keeping the commandments that I said men could not keep, but you had access to a power that men do not have. That is the reason why Jesus had to take human nature. He suffered being tempted just like we suffer it. And that was why Satan kept on tempting him, pushing him to the wall so that he can use a power that is divine. And then it will prove that you see it, you use divine power. That's how you survived. And men do not have access to that divine power. So this is what Christ suffered. He suffered being tempted. In conclusion, I want to read from Ted Selected Messages, page 139, paragraph 4 downward. We are told, Bear in mind that Christ's overcoming and obedience is that of a true human being. In our conclusions, we make many mistakes because of our erroneous views of the human nature of our Lord. When we give to his human nature a power that is not possible for man to have in his conflicts with Satan, we destroy the completeness of his humanity. His imputed grace and power he gives to all who receive him by faith. The obedience of Christ 
to his father was the obedience that is required of man. Man cannot overcome Satan's temptations without divine power to combine with his instrumentality. So with Jesus Christ, he could lay hold of divine power. He came not to our world to give the obedience of a lesser God to a greater, but as a man to obey God's holy law and in this way, he is our example. We must practice the example of Christ, bearing in mind his sonship and his humanity. It was not God that was tempted in the wilderness, nor a God that was to endure the contradiction of sinners against himself. It was the majesty of heaven who became a man, humbled to our human nature. End of quote. Let us have hope that a man has overcome, therefore we can overcome. He laid hold on divine power, we can also do the same. And it was even more difficult for him than it is for us because he had access to divine power that does not need him to ask the Father. He himself was divinity. He didn't need to ask the Father. But all the while he was suppressing it. I tell you, if it were me, I would fail. If I have divine power and I'm told that I should not use it, I need to always ask the Father for his own just like every other person does. And he can either deny me or permit me. I will fail. I will use the divine power. I will want to show that I can stand. I want to show that you cannot make me to be running away like an undignified person who is not a king. Why should a king like myself be running away from mere human beings like you? I would bring some divine power and then show everybody that I have the strength. This was what Jesus had to consistently curtail all his life. And for us, we don't even have that monkey to deal with for ourselves. All we have to deal with is our own human nature and we have access to divinity. Also, for Christ, it was just as difficult for him to maintain this low humanity as it is difficult for you to maintain divinity, the, the spirituality. And more than that, sin was odious to him. And it was painful to continually be tempted. But let us take courage from the life of Christ and have hope that we can also overcome as he overcame. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father that you have shown us an example that we can overcome as Christ overcame. It is difficult for us to maintain that level of divinity and spirituality. Sometimes we maintain it for a while and then we fall. And we see that our Lord Jesus also had it difficult to maintain humanity, but he did not fall. He constantly maintained it without falling. And we are charmed with this example that we can also maintain divinity as Christ maintained his humanity. Help us, Lord, that we overcome our sinful propensities and come to the point where we are like Jesus, loathing iniquity, loathing sin, and it becomes painful to us. Give us this grace, dear Lord, that we may overcome in Christ's name. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org. That is www.tawas.org or contact info at tawas.org.